0: Welcome to the Bethel World Outreach Church Podcast. It's our prayer that wherever you are in life, today's message will help you draw closer in your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. Uh, It is a pleasure to be here tonight. Welcome to Bethel. I'm so glad to see all of you. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. It is a privilege, and I would like, first of all, to thank Bishop for the opportunity to stand here. Uh, Thank you, Lady Chris. Thank you for your leadership. Uh, May the Lord increase you in wisdom as you move forward with the vision he gave you for better. So I'm glad to be here tonight. And uh, it's going to be a good night, a very good night, a good evening. Alright, right, let us stand and pray. Father God, Lord Jesus, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be gathered as a body. Father, you say that we should gather as a body because when we do so, there is special blessing attached to it. That's why I'm praying this evening, Father, that you bless each and every one of us here in a special way as we have obeyed your command to come and gather as a church. Father, as I stand in front of your people tonight, I know that I am not worthy. But I also know, Father, that you will strengthen me I pray that tonight you will help me to decrease, so that you will increase, Father. I pray that you give me your word, give me special utterance that I will speak, not from my flesh, not from my head, but I will speak from the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for guiding and me and leading me this evening, Father. I pray for your people. They came together they came to receive from you I pray father that you will give them what they need a message that will transform them a message that will help them to move forward in their relationship with you father for those who don't know you I pray that they will hear a word that will cause them to make the decision to follow you father for those who who know you, but who for one reason or the other went astray. I pray, Father, that your word will cause them to come back home. And for those who are in good relationship with you, Father, I pray that you increase their knowledge, that you increase your revelation of who we are so that they will keep being transformed in your likeness. I pray all of this In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, church. I'm happy that you made it to this second Saturday of our first phase of reopening. And if I'm talking about reopening tonight... And uh, when I look around, I see that everybody is wearing a mask. This is because of what's obvious, what, what we all know. We know that for about six months now, or maybe more, the world has been undergoing one of the most devastating health crises in modern history. And when we look at statistics, they speak enough about, about, about the scope of devastation to give you a few examples. According to the CDC, the coronavirus or COVID-19 has so far claimed the lives of 124,325 Americans. And this includes 691 deaths right here in Montgomery County. And as we are managing to reopen, as states are starting to reopen, we are hearing that cases are instead increasing in different states like Florida. Last week, last week, about 1.5 million Americans filed for unemployment for the first time in in their life. So we have at least 1.5 million people right now who don't know how they're going to put food at their table tomorrow. There are some industries that will never recover from this crisis. Some will disappear altogether. And the impact of this crisis on the education of our children, uh, there, there are many young people here tonight. The impact of the crisis on the education of our children and on the mental health of the US population is yet to be assessed. We don't know. We don't know. Because of this coronavirus, you may have lost your job, uh, your house may have been reduced, you may have lost a relative. If that's the case, I pray that the Lord will comfort you, and that he will strengthen you as only he can. But my point tonight is that we are currently living in extremely trying times. And we are, each of us here, we are being negatively impacted by this crisis one way or the other. Now, when we have a crisis of this scope, a crisis of, of this nature, there are several responses, several different kinds of responses that people may give to a crisis of this nature. They, may, they will respond in different ways depending on many different factors. But if there is one response that is pretty much natural, it is fear. People are afraid. And I praise the Lord for our bishop who for 14 days, a few weeks ago, he took us through a 14-day series. The series was called Faith Conquers Fear. If you're not aware of it, it's on Facebook. You can check it out. Faith Conquers Fear. So Bishop gave us practical tools to avoid responding to this crisis with fear, but rather with faith. So tonight I'm going to build on Bishop's teachings and continue this conversation concerning how we are supposed to handle a crisis like this. How are we supposed to handle trials, to handle persecutions, to handle challenges? How are we supposed to respond as believers? Now, the book of James, the book of James suggests a very surprising way of handling this kind of crisis. James is telling us that when you are facing trials, when you are facing challenges, when you are facing persecutions of this nature, of this scope, your response should be joy. Joy. How amazing. James, Are you really telling us that if I lose my job, if my house are cut, if I'm sick, if people are dying all around me, I should respond to this with joy? Is this real? What is James talking about? Would you say it's the right way to respond to a crisis with joy, would you? Sincerely, would you? Would you respond with joy? Your silence means you wouldn't. You certainly wouldn't. So Lord, how come? How come? How come you're asking us to respond to persecutions, to troubles with joy? Well, tonight we're going to find out, to find out why. That's why my message tonight is titled, Why We Should Rejoice in the Midst of Our Trials. If you would, repeat after me, Why We Should Rejoice in the Midst of Our Trials. Let's open our Bibles to the book of James, James 1, verses 1 through 5. Do we have the screen? Maybe not. James 1 verses 1 through 5. It's good to have your Bible because the screen may not work. (laughs) James 1 verses 1 through 5. I would love to have the screen though. But anyway, let's read. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. All right, thank you, Lord. I'm reading from the NIV version, so it's clear to everybody, if we can find the NIV version. Verse two, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Verse 5, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Amen. Let me remind give you some background and context here. Uh, The book of James is considered by many Bible scholars to have been written by James, the actual brother of our Lord Jesus. And what James is famous for is that he focuses on the necessity for believers to act in accordance with their faith. James doesn't want you to claim faith just for the sake of claiming it. James is saying, if you say you have faith in God, I want to see it. I need facts. Because your faith, if it's without works, it's dead. Show me your faith. That's James. It's important to understand that as we move forward. And we can see here that James is writing to Jewish believers in verse 1. He says, the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. So he's talking about the Jews. He's talking, he's he's writing to the Jews who were scattered in different areas and they were being persecuted for their faith in Christ. So these are believers. He's talking to believers. He's not talking to people in the street. And if we need proof that he's talking to believers when we move forward in verse 2, It says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. And the expression brothers and sisters is from the Greek word adelphos or adelphios, which means from the same womb or members of the same faith. So he's talking to Christians. And he's telling Christians, you know why? If you are facing trials, if you are facing challenges, if you are being persecuted, count it all joy. Be joyful. Be joyful. So what does that prove? It proves that if you are a Christian, persecutions are to be expected. So if you just gave your life to Jesus yesterday, let me tell you that persecutions will be expected. In fact, persecutions are a promise. It's a promise. You will be persecuted, and Bishop told us a few weeks ago that we are persecuted on top of the regular, the normal persecutions that everyone else encounters because we live in this broken world. So you have those persecutions, and on top of that, you are persecuted because of your faith. So this is not a question. You will be persecuted. You are being persecuted, and you certainly were persecuted in the past. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Trials of many kinds. This is on verse 2. What does that mean? It means the more trials you face, the happier you should be. Look at that. I want it to sink. So repeat after me. The more trials I face the happier I should be. The more trials I face, the happier I should be. Oh, it's so timid because it doesn't make sense, right? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So tonight I'm going to discuss with you three reasons why we should rejoice in the midst of our trials. The first reason is trials enable us to determine if we truly have faith in God. Trials enable us to determine if we truly have faith in God. How so? Verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith, the testing of your faith, in verse 1, He's talking about considering, verse 2, considering pure, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. And then he continues by saying, because you know that the testing of your faith. So, so what is James telling us? James is telling us that trials allow for the testing of our faith. Trials provide an opportunity for the testing of our faith. And the Greek word translated testing here is the word dokimion, which means that which is found approved and genuine. That which is found approved and genuine. So James is telling us, you know what, trials will give you the opportunity to gauge and to determine the genuineness of your faith. The authenticity of your faith. Is your faith genuine? Is your faith authentic? The only way to determine whether you really have faith in God, whether your faith is authentic, is through trials and persecutions. Through trials and persecutions. Trials will allow you, brothers and sisters, to experience and get a greater revelation of the omnipotent miracle-working God who lives in you. Let's quickly turn to the book of Mark. This is the story of Jesus healing a boy who was possessed by evil spirits. Mark 9. And let's quickly read from verses... 21 through 24 Mark 9 So this is a father his his son is possessed by evil spirits and then he calls Jesus and Jesus asks the father how long has this been happening to you to him to the son he said from childhood And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything. Listen to this. This father is talking to Jesus. And he's telling Jesus, please, if you can do anything. If you can do anything. This is what Jesus responds. Next verse. Jesus said to him, well, it doesn't transpire in this, in this version. Jesus, in verse 23, right before that, on the NIV version, Jesus him, if you can? Are you really asking me if I can? And then he continues, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I'm telling you, I'm Jesus, and if you believe, all things are possible to, who, to him who believes. Let's move to the next verse. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, help my unbelief. That's a contradictory statement. It is a contradictory statement. I told you trials will allow you to gauge the genuineness of your faith in God how can he be saying I believe and in the same sentence saying help my unbelief believing and unbelief are contradictory so we wonder what this father is really saying I do believe help me overcome my unbelief so the father is telling Jesus that sure he believes but his faith at that point because of the level of trial because he's so stressed out because he has been dealing with this since this child was born he's at a level where he's not sure whether he believes anymore he's saying I believe Jesus yes I believe but my faith is so little it is so little that it is exactly as if I did not believe so I need your help I need your help the father is acknowledging the smallness of his faith. He says, he's saying to Jesus, my faith is so small, Jesus, that I cannot do anything in front of this giant trial. Please, Jesus, help my mustard seed faith. My faith is as small as a mustard seed. It is so small that there's nothing it can do when I'm facing this kind of, this kind of trial. Help me overcome my unbelief, Jesus, by giving me your faith. Help me overcome my unbelief. My faith is extremely small. In front of a situation like this, I don't have enough faith. So please help me. Help me by giving me your faith. Give me your faith. Exchange my little faith with your powerful faith. What does that mean? What is this father teaching us? He's teaching us that the more trials we face, the smaller our own faith will appear to be. The more, I mean, when you, when, when you have problem, when problems seem to line up, there are times in your life when you don't understand what's going on. And some people are experiencing that right now with this coronavirus. Everything is upside down. Imagine what happened to Job. On the same day, he lost everything. And messengers will come one after the other to announce what was going on. When that happens, you realize that your faith it, it seems as if your faith starts decreasing. The more you hear about, about bad news, the, the smaller your faith gets. The more trials we face, the smaller our own faith appears to be. The more trials we face, the bigger our unbelief. We get to the point where we question God. God, are you still there? Do you even exist? What's happening? Read the book of Job, and you'll know what I'm talking about. The more trials we face, the more then we need to rely on the faith of Jesus. The more we need to to rely on him and trade our mustard seed faith with the greater, the bigger, the more powerful faith of Jesus Christ. So it's about trading. And that's what this father is saying. Our Lord, I believe, but my faith is so small that I want to trade it, Help my unbelief. My faith is equivalent, my level of faith is equivalent to not having faith at all. It's equivalent to unbelief. So let's trade, Jesus, let's trade. Give me your faith because I am weak. Give me your faith. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. And at that point, like this father, we realize how insignificant we are, how great Jesus is, and how much we need him, how much we need to depend on him. And at that point, at that point, when we realize that our faith is so small that we need to depend on him, that's a reason to start rejoicing, rejoicing. Rejoicing, yes, Father. You asked me whether I believed, I don't even know whether I believe anymore because this is too much, Father. This is too much, so take it, take control, Father. Take control, Father. Take control, take control. Exchange my mustard seed faith with your greater faith, exchange my little faith with your faith. I cannot do it, I cannot do it, but take control, take control. And I'm released and I rejoice, I rejoice because I know that I don't have to struggle. At that point, what could Job do? Nothing. On the same day, you lose everything. What can you do? You cry, you roll on the floor, you, you, you call your mom, you call your dad. What, what can you do? Nothing. But to acknowledge that you are nothing, you are nobody, that your faith is so small that you need to trade it with the faith of Jesus, allow him to take control and rest, rejoicing. I rejoice, Lord. I rejoice. Because in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this difficulty, I can trade my little faith with your faith. I can allow your faith to grow in me and to produce the fruit that I need. In the meantime, I'm in the back, resting, rejoicing, knowing that you have everything under control. That's why we need to rejoice. That's how our faith is tested. That's how we determine, we gauge the authenticity of our faith. That's how we gauge the genuineness of our faith. Number two, trials enable us to develop patience, perseverance, and what Pastor Chris calls long-suffering. Long-suffering, which is a fruit of the Spirit. Let's read verse 3. Verse 3. Because you know that this testing of your faith produces perseverance. Your faith is tested. But through the process of testing your faith, the fruits that result from it is perseverance, is patience, it's long suffering. The word for perseverance here is, is from the Greek, hypomone. Hypomone and it means to remain under, to wait for. You remain under, you wait for. So the process of testing the genuineness of your faith will produce that fruit called patience, perseverance, or long suffering. And remember, we said trials enable us to acknowledge the smallness of our faith and to rely on Jesus' faith to allow him to take control of our trying times, our challenging situations. Now, as we do, trials through the process teach us then to remain under. Hippomone, to remain under. Under what? To remain under God's timing to wait upon him. Because when the Lord takes control of everything, what can you do? In fact, The very idea of allowing the Lord to take control means you sit back and he does what he wants. And allowing God to do what he wants means not being responsible for timing. God's time. We usually say God's time is the best. But God's time has nothing to do with our time. In fact, the idea of time the, the way we know it doesn't exist in the realm of the etern- of eternity. There's no time there. That's why when we're waiting for something, we have the impression that it's taking forever. Because when you count one hour, one year, one day, one year, 10 years, what is that compared to eternity? It's nothing. So when we're saying God is late, we are comparing His lateness to our standards of time which are not his standards. He's not bound by 24 hours or 10 years. How many years do we live? We can live up to 100 years. What is 100 years compared to eternity? So even if you realize your destiny at 99 years old, it's still good. Because before God, God who is eternal, doesn't care. Whether you're a baby, whether you are in your 40s, in your 80s, or you're 100 years old, he does not care. Remember Abraham. Abraham. So, we need to look at time with God's perspective. That's what happens when we allow Him to take control. He does things in His time. And because things are done in His time, it teaches us, the process teaches us to persevere. We wait, we wait, we wait, we wait. We don't know what's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, but we believe. We believe. So as we do, try us, teach us to remain under God, to wait upon him, knowing that God will see us through in his due time. Please open Isaiah 40, 31, that we all know. Isaiah 40, uh, 31, and I will show you what happens in the process while we are waiting. Isaiah 40, 31 please. All right. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So as we persevere, as we stay on the God, waiting upon Him, what happens is that our strength is being renewed. Our strength is being renewed in the process. Our strength is being renewed and that's how we learn to be patient. That's what, That's how we learn to be perseverant. Yes, knowing... Oh no, that's something else. Our strength is being renewed. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. So this is why I will rejoice. In the process, I know that as I'm waiting, the Lord is teaching me. As I'm staying in intimacy with Him, our intimacy, because of place everything under his control, is producing fruit. It produces the fruit of patience, the the fruit of perseverance, the fruit of long-suffering, and as I long-suffer, my strength is being renewed. So as I'm waiting, even when I have the impression that those trials, those challenges, keep coming, they are not ending, they keep coming, they are not ending, the Lord is strengthening me, he's strengthening me, he's strengthening me, and that's a reason for me to rejoice. Why? Because I know that when everything is over, when everything is over, what's going to happen? Once my faith, my, my strength is renewed and everything is over, the Bible says, I shall mount up with wings like eagles. I shall run and not be weary. I shall walk and not faint. That's what's going to happen at the end of the process. When I've waited, when I've persevered, when I've been patient. And the Bible says that I shall mount up with wings like eagles. I shall run. I shall not be weary. I shall work. I shall not be faint. That's the fruit of trials. That's the fruit of waiting upon the Lord. That is perseverance. That is patience. That is what we get for waiting upon the Lord. Hallelujah. What a joy. What a joy. Tell me if you won't be joyful knowing what the Lord is about to do regardless of your circumstances. What a joy. Number three trials enable us to achieve spiritual maturity. Talk about, oh, I want to be a mature Christian. I want to be a mature Christian. Some will tell you, oh, I've been with the Lord for 30 years. Well, if you've been with the Lord for 30, 40, 50 years, and you've never been tried, I can tell you that being, being with the Lord for 50 years without being tried would not allow you to achieve spiritual maturity. So, if you want to determine where you are with the Lord, it has to do with what you have gone through. And we're going to see that. Verse 4 Let perseverance finish its work. Hmm. Wow. Perseverance has some work to do in you, it's a process. And if you, if you look at it closely, you will see that it's gradual. It's a process. Perseverance. you The Lord is building perseverance in you for a reason. Perseverance has work to do in you. And me, by the way. Perseverance. Perseverance as a fruit of the Spirit. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the ultimate purpose of all of this is so that you, can, you become mature, so that you become complete, so that you will not lack anything. So why would you want those trials to disappear? Why would you want those uh, persecutions to disappear? If this is the sine qua non condition for your spiritual maturity, if this is the condition for you to be complete, why would you want them to disappear? Why would you not rejoice? knowing that it is the process. It's as if you're asking me, you, you, you want to get to college, but you don't want to take the test. How can you get to college without taking the test? Or to the School of Medicine without taking the MCAT? You have to go through it. It is a condition if you want to get where you're going to if you want to achieve that spiritual maturity that you are looking for, that you are running after. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let's dig deeper. The Greek word for the expression mature and complete, and I, I, most of the time when I prepare my preachings, I Go to the root of words because when we don't do that, most of them we don't understand what the author means. Mature and complete. Here, the Greek word is holokleros, and holokleros means whole, without any missing, with no missing part, perfect in every part, spirit, soul, and body, perfect in every part, spirit, soul, and body. Isn't that what we're looking for in Christianity? Aren't we striving, trying every day? Because we want, we want to get to that level where we are whole, spirit, soul, and body. We know that when we are born again, our spirit right away becomes similar to the Holy Spirit. We become a child of God, but we need to work on our soul. We need to work on our body. And we spend the rest of our time working on aligning our soul and our body with our spirit. And here is the answer. This is the work that perseverance will do. Perseverance will allow you to get to that point where you are in perfect unity. Your soul, your spirit, your soul, and your body are aligned in perfect unity with the Holy Spirit. What's the work of perseverance? What does perseverance and long suffering do? Listen, the more you practice waiting upon the Lord, the more you start depending on Him, on His word, on His timing, on His strategies in everything. We have established that. Now, once you get to the point where you depend on the Lord for everything, you depend on his word for everything. The Holy Spirit at that point will start aligning your thoughts. Because if you say you depend on the Lord, it means you're allowing your soul to be aligned with the word. So at that point, your thoughts start being aligned with the word of God. And if they aligned with the word of God, it means they are aligned with the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about the process. Through that process, when you're waiting, going through those trials, going through those persecutions, you release, you surrender, you allow God to take control. Whereas you do it genuinely with help from the Holy Spirit, your thoughts start changing. As you nourish yourself with the word of God, your thoughts start changing. Because of what you do when you, when you surrender, of course, it means going forward, you live by the word. You, 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 you eat the word on a daily basis. You make sure that you hear from God before doing anything. As you do that on a daily basis, you, there, there is a change. There is a shift that happens in your thoughts. You start aligning your thoughts. And the more you align your thoughts, gradually you eventually align your body. And you get to the point where your spirit, your soul, and your body are perfectly, perfectly aligned. So the more you depend on him, the more you depend on his word, the more the Holy Spirit aligns your thoughts and your actions with his word. And as your thoughts and your actions are aligned with the word of God, you start walking and operating in the perfect will of God. That's spiritual maturity. When you can now walk in the perfect will of God, everybody will ask, how can I achieve the perfect will of God? How can I achieve the perfect will of God? James is telling us: if you want to get to that point, oh, you need to go through trials, because trial will teach you perseverance, and perseverance will make it will do its work—the work of gradually aligning your, aligning your thoughts, meaning your soul, your whole, your, 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 your the center of your thoughts, your emotions, everything. You won't be reactive anymore because everything you do will be based on the word of God. Remember, I told you initially that James is the type who will tell you, don't talk, talk, talk faith. I want to see action. James will tell you, faith without works is dead. So this is the process. This is the work of perseverance. And then when you get to that point, As a spiritually mature believer, you are complete. The Bible says in verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything. So at that point, you are complete. You lack nothing. Why? Because you are one spirit, soul, and body with Christ. And that's the reason to rejoice. That's a reason to rejoice. Lord, I praise you. Lord, I'm happy that in the midst of all of this, you took me through a process. You allowed me to learn. You build perseverance. The trials allowed me to test the genuineness of my faith. I was able to acknowledge that my faith is so small. My faith is so insignificant that I need your faith. And then I allowed your faith to come. I allowed you to take control. I allowed your faith to work, to do the work. And as your faith was doing the work, I learned to be patient. I learned to wait upon you. And you told me that as I wait upon you, you shall renew my strength. My, my strength was renewed. I kept waiting. I kept waiting. As my strength was renewed, I kept waiting. And then perseverance started doing its work. Started doing its work. As I was waiting, 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 Fixing my eyes on the Word. Fixing my eyes on Jesus. Fixing my eyes on Jesus. The more I did it, the more I did it, the more my thoughts become transformed. My thoughts become transformed. My thoughts became aligned. My thoughts became aligned. Aligned with the Word. Aligned with the Holy Spirit. And as my thoughts are aligned with the Holy Spirit, my body followed suit. My body followed suit to the point where now I can say confidently that my spirit, my soul, and my body are aligned. I am complete. I lack anything. I'm a child of God. Hooray! I rejoice in the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. In Philippians four nineteen, that you know, tells us that my God, when I get to that point. My God please Philippians 4:19 please I'm about to conclude Philippians 4:19 My God My God shall supply all of my needs all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All of my needs. Because now I'm complete. I don't have to worry about anything. Be it coronavirus, COVID-19, or whatever they call it, no matter what it is. Yes, I am. I, I will stand. I will stand firm knowing that the Lord is in control and he shall supply all of my needs all of my needs knowing that i will lack nothing because now i'm complete because now i'm mature the lord has my back so brothers and sisters in christ the more trials the more persecutions the more challenges i face the happier i should be and i've given you three reasons I've told you that trials enable me to determine if I truly have faith in God. Trials enable me to develop patience and perseverance, a fruit of the Spirit. And trials, brothers and sisters, enable me to achieve spiritual maturity. That's the work that perseverance would do in me. And I'll be able to practicalize oneness with Jesus Christ. Spirit, soul and body and if after listening to this message brother or sister if you are still in doubt about whether you should rejoice in the midst of your trials because of the coronavirus pandemic or because of any other trials or challenges because you are so much in chaos there's so much damage that your life is that life is upside down verse 5 of james james 1 verse 5 James 1 verse 5 if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask God if you are in doubt about everything that I've talked about James is telling you if you are in doubt if you lack wisdom ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it shall be given to you God will give you wisdom if this message is tough verse 5 it's telling you what to do to receive it, to get the revelation. And this message, my prayer, is that it's going to free you from any fear and allow you to face your trials, face your persecutions, face your challenges with joy, rejoicing, rejoicing, knowing that as you do, God will gradually take you through the process of spiritual maturity. Amen. Thanks for listening today. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. To learn more about Bethel or to support this ministry financially, please visit us at www.bethelcityofhope.com. You can also connect with us via Facebook or Instagram at Bethel City of Hope. Thanks again. Have a great day.